Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. George is joining me for a second time this week in light of Vanderbilt releasing its strategic plan and having that Candace Lee press conference on Wednesday night. We are going to dive into those and offer some context today, including some that I got after the press conference that I think is important. This episode is presented by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, Downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These folks will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt drops another one in men's basketball, that one to Missouri at Memorial Gym on Wednesday night. And Scotty Pippen Jr. leads the way with 19 points there. The Commodores win a baseball game 10-2. Over St. Louis, Ethan Smith, the start and the win, five shutout innings. Austin Martin hits two home runs. The guest line, presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduate Scott and Missy Tannen, had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got them. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women, treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com, that's spelled B-O-L-L, enter the promo code Vandy, and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins me for a second podcast this week. I asked George to do this in sort of a or an emergency situation. It's not really an emergency, but in light of the press conference last night, I think there's some things that need to be gone over. In light of that, I don't think anybody understands Vanderbilt like George does. George, thank you for doing me a favor and coming back. Hope you're doing well today. Chris, uh, good to talk to you again. I know I'm not back by popular demand, and if you had used those words, I was going to call you a liar. Well, you were popular enough that I called you, and that's what matters right now. Uh, boy, let's start here. That press conference last night, and I'm referring to the one that Candace Lee did, was hands down the most frustrating one I've ever covered. As a reporter, you become aware the last thing you want to do is get into a pissing match with somebody that you cover. And I will offer a small defense for Candace in just a minute, but I felt like that whole thing was disrespectful to us. It almost displayed a complete misunderstanding of what the role of a press conference is. It was a waste of my time other than getting to say, I got to ask some questions on the record to her that I can now say, I asked the question. I didn't get any answers, but I can say, I asked the question. The weird thing is, as frustrated as I was with that last night about just trying to do my job and not getting basic answers to questions, I felt a lot better this morning because I feel like the rest of the media is now on to them and her too. And there's a lot of comfort in that now, knowing I think that there are some other people sort of tracking and watching this. Well, the early returns of what is it? 
three, three and a half weeks of her being the interim athletic director is that she has had to dance around a lot of questions. And oftentimes you just don't feel like she's answering your questions at all. That said, I don't know Candace very well. uh, So I'll tell you that up front. Uh, We have not dealt with each other really much at all um, in our two careers. I'll start with what went on yesterday afternoon with the releasing of whatever that thing was. Um, You know, I made some jokes about it on the air that I could probably put together the same kind of thing for my radio show within about a 15 to 20 minute span. You know, I could, I could say, okay, what are our goals? Number one, attract more listeners. Number two, attract more revenue. Number three, treat those who are advertising on our show better, you know, give them more bang for their buck, blah, 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 blah. The more that I read that thing yesterday, because it was it, it was much ado about nothing, I'm convinced that this came from Kirkland and that to a point her hands are tied in what they're allowing her to put out there and what they aren't. What was out there yesterday is Gerber's baby food, okay? Any moron could put that thing out there. It didn't tell you one thing that you didn't already know. I mean, it really was that simple and that basic. I would assume that there's more to all this than that. I would also assume that this is where Kirkland Hall got in the middle of it. Kirkland Hall's an area that doesn't seem to know if a football's pumped or stuffed. They don't know a lot about athletics. And sadly, at times they come off as though they think we're completely stupid. And the problem with that is some of us who are analyzing this stuff went to school there. So supposedly we've got, you know, at least a lick of sense. So the thing they put out yesterday afternoon was a complete waste of time. I didn't go to the press conference. We had had Candace on Monday, and there were some questions I asked her that, in fairness to her, she couldn't possibly answer. One of those being about Jerry Stackhouse and the 13 assistants. She can't answer that, uh, but I have to ask it. And there are certain things that you asked last night that you felt like you had to ask. I don't know if she's just going to tap dance around everything her entire athletic department career, or she is being forced to do that. I will tell you this, if she's being forced to do it, she owes it to herself to tell them, look, I'm not going to be a puppet. And if you're going to put me out there to make me look stupid, then there's no point to put me out there. But at some point, she's got to have enough intestinal fortitude, or if these are the restrictions that she is under, to say to them, I can't make this work. Okay, a lot to unpack there. First yeah, of all, there was, I was there? There, there. Well, and that, I'm I'm really I'm I'm writing things down as you're going. I have the list of things to talk about, but you as you are talking are bringing things to my mind that I think are important in this. First of all, I couldn't believe she had the press conference. 
I was glad that she did, but I couldn't believe she did. I'm like, I don't know what she is going to be able to tell us. I mean, I thought, okay, maybe there is a rabbit out of the hat that she can pull here, and she's willing to be more transparent. Maybe they rethought this and said, you know, we need to explain this better. I think after talking to somebody else, this is kind of a theory, it was almost like, okay, we did this internally and it went fine in our own little echo chamber. Um, And that's what this is about. I mean, I think that the people, like you said, that make decisions don't know if a football is stuffed or pumped. They're academic people. It sounds great and genius to them. It's almost like she thought, well, these guys didn't get it the first time, so I'm going to come back around, and once I'm face-to-face with them, it's all going to make sense, uh, and we'll be on the same page. That decidedly did not happen. And by the way, that's theory, but that's kind of how it came off. Uh, there were some things about that press conference I found very disingenuine. First of all, and I think you heard this as well as I did, the rumor going around before Malcolm Turner was let go, resign, however you would like to phrase it, was that their strategic plan was nothing, it said nothing, and that was the narrative that was coming out of McGugan, okay? Uh, we need to get rid of this idiot, we need to, to move on and and let him go. He's got this joke of a plan over there. From what I understand, that plan that they presented was basically what Malcolm came up with. Uh, and she is now, they're trotting out. They have seen not seen fit to change it, uh, which tells you they couldn't come up with anything better themselves, number one. Um, number two, I think that plan also, uh, probably where that went off the, the rails was letting other people in other parts of campus get involved. So before everybody just goes off on Turner for that, I think what he was trying to do probably with that was get cohesion and buy-in across the university, which, because at Vanderbilt, you can't do anything normal. You have to involve everybody and ask opinions of people that shouldn't matter, but that's how it's done. I suspect he had to play the game with some of that, too. Number three, she said, okay, I've only been here three weeks, as in don't blame me for any of this. You and I know full well that I think she knew at least three weeks before Malcolm was gone that Malcolm was going to be gone. So she should have had a head start on this, number one. Uh, She also has been in that department for, what, almost 20 years, and she ran it for two. So I found the, hey, don't blame me, I've only had three weeks to put this together part. Uh, I didn't think that was entirely intellectually dishonest either. I know where she's coming from, but the background I know, I, I think that that's not as good of an excuse as she'd like to put out there. Well, Chris, let me start with the uh, the thing they put out there yesterday, um, the, the five-part plan. One of the, uh, and help me if I use the wrong words here, because I'm driving while I do this. Uh, not a very good driver and probably not very good at this either. But one of the things, one of the, the subjects, I think it was number four, was fan engagement. Now, fan engagement is something I know a little bit about because I was hired by Belmont to be their marketing and promotions director. You know, your job is to try to put butts in seats. One of the areas that I would have expected under fan engagement to see some things is, let's face it, Vanderbilt has a very old fan base, and they desperately need to try to get 
new, younger audience. Not exactly earth-shattering stuff. Because what really has been going on, those 6- to 16-year-olds are becoming Predator fans. They're becoming Titans fans. That's cool. Supporting a team that does a lot of losing isn't always as cool. So I would like to have seen something in there about a plan to attack young. How do you attack young? I think you go grassroots. I think you start offering kids from, let's say, ages 6 to 14 the opportunity in the summer on a, on a given day to meet your coaches, tour your facilities, have a free meal, give them a reason to want to start liking Vandy. Those are the kind of things that I would have expected out of that. Instead, we just got a bunch of Gerber's baby food. Next place I want to go with this, I wrote that thing a couple of weeks ago that says there are true statements and the truth, and man, I just find that out constantly. There's a little bit of a narrative they're trying to put out there right now, um, and they're doing it through ways they do it that I don't know what I'm talking about and that I've got some things wrong. And, and again, when you dig into this, <laughs> it gets a little more complicated. Um, somebody that I know who has seen how this works firsthand and been in the middle of meetings and things like that uh, said they have, and I'll give this to you as this person's quote, they have mastered the art of deception, end of quote. Uh, she says what Vanderbilt needs to hear and only what she's authorized to say and what they're comfortable in rolling out there. That explains to me why we got what we got last night. They didn't want to put anything out there that they had to be held accountable to. I do think they have some plans. We'll get into those in a minute again, and those have complications that come with them. But uh, as somebody else put it to me this morning who's seen it from the inside, gave me this quote, said, quote, you have the right to hold me accountable and I have the right to move the goalpost. And I think that sums up a lot of the way this is going on. One of the things, Chris, that I'm convinced of right now is they're a little spooked by what all has been going on over the last few weeks. When Malcolm resigned, got pushed out, got fired, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of people started a lot of chirping. I can remember when the Tennesseans started the articles about the stadium. That appeared to completely spook uh, Zeppos. I think that this amount of chirping that's been going on has got Kirkland all spooked. You know, they act like this is some, you know, some sort of Philadelphia media market, and it's not. Gosh, I mean, if if this stuff has got them spooked, wow, um, I, I'm I'm a little amazed. I think she's really freaked out. I don't think she saw any of this coming. Well, I don't know that, and I don't know her well enough to make a lot of judgments. The one thing I am convinced of now is that Kirkland is basically running Vanderbilt Athletics, and I don't see that there's anything good about that. I don't think they know enough about athletics to know what's good in that realm and what's not good. Just like I wouldn't have a clue 
how to help them on the academic side. They do a lot of great things as a school when it comes to academics. And, you know, I think we all ought to acknowledge that. But when it comes to athletics, they don't know anything about it. And it's an area that the more they delve into it, the more kind of stupid stuff like that thing they released yesterday, the five-part Gerber's baby food thing, they just end up looking stupid. And they don't know enough about athletics to be dictating all this stuff. They have got to allow the people who they have entrusted to do their thing. Okay, you know a little bit about where I'm going to go next. It does seem like they still have an end zone facility in progress, like being talked about possibly to be done. It seems like they feel like they have made some headway on the funding. It also seems like donors still have those objections that we have talked about. The matching component is one of those. I think people are still frustrated with them. It seems that they will not put that out there. I specifically asked her about that last night, you know, gave her an opportunity to say, is that fact or fiction? In other words, if you got this campaign out there that you're trying to raise money for, you know, tell us about this match. Get that out there. She ducked that one too. So again, this is where true things and 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 true statements and the truth about things gets complicated because I think there is evidence that they want to do something. They've talked about it, they've worked on it. There are also things that are getting in the way that are making people question how really in are they on this if they're not willing to put things out in front of people that would make that easier. Yeah, I don't know what the big deep dark secret is about matching funds. Um, You know, I've just come from a school that's pretty open about certain areas where they decide, okay, if you give to this, we'll match it. I don't know what the deep dark secret is. And maybe there's something here that I don't understand, but I I am confused by that. I've had a couple of people tell me that they are matching. Uh, I don't know what the big secret is. And you know what? It's possible they really don't either. Well, another bombshell that I got, I was told this morning that Malcolm had said, we think we're going to need about $800 million to get all of our facilities up to speed. I'm sure that spooked the school. Uh, someone responded to me on Twitter that he was in some some things this fall, some, I guess, ass-type things, and I think they were aiming at about a half billion dollars. So you know, people have criticized the the ask, the, the $800 million thing, which I get. They're like, well, he should be fired. He should have known. You know, that's not realistic. I don't think that's what he's doing. It's a negotiation. If Malcolm says... Uh, we're going to need $100 million for stuff, then he might be lucky to get 50. I think by painting the picture the way he did and getting at that, I think that that really was smart strategy in some ways. Now, you got to be careful with how you present that, but that tells me, again, you look at them, and that's where he wanted to go. Malcolm had a lot of faults. You and I know uh, there's probably some things out there that we don't know and we haven't gotten into yet. So, again... This is not a defense of Malcolm Turner, but I think you look at the picture that I'm told he was presenting. You look at them last night where all they would say was, yeah, we're trying to raise about $5 million for lockers, and we don't have that yet. I think that's pretty telling. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Malcolm Turner was brought here and supposedly told, go out and do what needs to be done to get us competitive. Now, I do think it's a little two-faced on Zeppos's part that he gave him that command because where the hell had that command been for the eight, nine years that he had been chancellor before that? Um, it seems a little late in the game for him to suddenly start caring about athletics, and I've been very critical of him about this kind of stuff. Malcolm may not have been the best balancer of a checkbook. I mean, I've heard all of this. There, there seems to be mounting evidence that some of that was true. But I can imagine his frustration where he comes into this on day one saying, you know what, I've got a, I've got a blank canvas, and I've been charged with putting the pieces into place. And then all of a sudden, about six months later, it's not a slight change. It's a total change. It's a total 180. And, you know, how could he have felt? when he started getting that signal, you know, he had to be going home at night going, what the hell have I signed up for? And, you know, that may be how he feels right now is maybe I'm better off away from all this. I'm glad you said that because I got a theory. uh, I would say it was positive more than a theory by someone who knows both Zeppos and David Williams. David was Vanderbilt was having trouble or it would have been hard for Vanderbilt to fire David for a number of reasons. I think that there were a lot of people that were ready to move on for years because people have told me that I believe, I don't think Nick hates athletics. And I'm like, well, okay, you you got that. You got anybody at Vanderbilt who's in those positions. You've almost got to be a politician. So that never resonated with me with the last five years of his tenure at least not until he did this with Malcolm, which I think he was sincere about, it was explained to me, I think that Nick and David really just didn't like each other, and that whole thing might have been more personal in nature with David than it was towards athletics, which I found that amazing. Well, I've heard that a lot. Uh, I attended David Williams' funeral, and Chancellor Zeppos was very eloquent, but I'll admit at the time I didn't believe a lot of what he said. Um, and I think more and more as, as I've delved into it, as you've delved into it, I don't, I don't pretend to know what it was they were crossways about. And frankly, I don't care, but it appears that there was something there that wasn't wonderful between the two of them, in spite of what got said at the end. More thing I've got of my own, then I might see if we've got um, some questions for you from the mailbag. The mailbag seems to be slow going this morning since we planned this uh, in haste. But the other issue is the donor thing. Um, I'm starting to hear again that, and I knew that he had some tension with Susie Stalkup, who's the university development officer. Uh, it appears that had really started to come to a head. They have a lot of issues with donations. Their donor base, I don't think, is as big as they'd like it to be. There's only so many people they can go to for money. Their alumni giving rate is not what it is other places. And I think that is kind of the backdrop for the territorial approach, which, by the way, is not unique to Vanderbilt. It's not even unique to Vanderbilt within departments. I don't think that's just a a pick-on-athletics thing. 
I think that's now I think athletics may get picked on disproportionately, but I think that's a thing across the school is because of that giving rate and things like that. I think that it becomes a battle when people start going after money uh, because there's, I guess, a little bit of a limited pool there. So I think that Malcolm was starting to get some pushback in that area about who he could and could not go after. I need to get way down the line on that story um, before I can say things with certainty, but there's certainly has been an undercurrent of that kind of thing uh, for a few weeks now. Anyway, um, I think that that is a significant part of it too, is that power struggle going on right now, who she can ask and, and who she can't. And I think that one, interest, one interesting answer last night, when asked about the donor thing, she said, I'm having no problem. You know, we're getting reception. And, and as somebody explained to me, yeah, she's not getting blowback from the people she's talking to uh, in, in that regard because those are the people she's cleared to talk to at the moment. And that kind of made sense, too. Yeah, look, the bottom line to all this stuff is this seems to be a school that has plenty of money. And when they want to do something, they can do it and do it well. Uh, they don't appear to have any desire to spend a lot of money on athletics. Look, I, you know, I hear this stuff about these dorms as though it's some sort of Taj Mahal. You know, I'm making plans to, to get out of my house and try to go back there as a student so I can live in one of those things. Um, all kidding aside here, they have the money. The money is there. The desire to spend it in that area is not. And that's the bottom line. I'm going to go to the mailbag quickly. That is sponsored by Vanderbilt, uh, or by Simply a Fan, uh, run by my friend Mark Gent. Mark organizes road trips to sports events across the country. He is doing so for several Vanderbilt baseball road series this fall. Go to simplyafan.com to get more information. Tell them that you heard about it here on the podcast. This one from Vander Lee says, George, what's your take on the comments Luke Wyatt made on becoming Vanditized? Were you ever Vanditized or was it more the opposite? Well, first of all, I have not listened to the podcast. Um, so anything I would say is just running blind. I will tell you this. Luke uh, loves Vanderbilt as much as anybody that I can think of. I remember when they beat Tennessee back in 2005 when Jay Cutler threw the touchdown at the end of the game, and it was the first time Vandy had beaten Tennessee in football since 1982. And I went on the air the next Monday and said that the person that I was the happiest for was not Jay Cutler. It wasn't Bobby Johnson. It wasn't whoever the athletic director was. It was Luke Wyatt. I've known Luke for 30-plus years. Uh, I've never known him not to be truthful. Uh, I don't know all of what he said. I had a listener call me yesterday and give me a couple of snippets. But anything else, uh, I, I'm not going to comment on because I simply haven't heard it. Yeah, Luke told me this morning, too, I talked to him. He said that he heard the caller. He said, I think a couple of things that were in that call maybe were uh, embellish for things that he hadn't said. But I think that podcast did get some play, including uh, inside some offices there yesterday. Oh, I'm sure it did. George, I think that's about all I've got. Anything on this topic that's worth 
hitting before we end the show today? No, I'll say this, though. If any of you out there are having trouble sleeping, just turn this one on. It'll it'll work like magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that? true. Well, I did think it was uh, important to to sort of tie up some loose ends here and explain some things. I did get a little bit more context than I had when I went into that thing last night. And I think that's, uh, I think what we've said is a fairly fair reflection of where they are right now. I think the lesson may be to be learned out of the deal, maybe two of them. Number one, if you really don't have anything to say and can't say anything, don't hold a press conference. You're wasting your time and other people's time, and it, it ends up not working out very well. And I think the second thing is, I think Candace is probably uh, going to have to think through some philosophies. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to put be put out there to not look very good, at some point you may have to push back a little bit and say, look, I don't think this will work, and here's why. You may have to be a little more diplomatic about it than I'm used to being, but I think there are certain times, and I think yesterday was one of them, the release of that thing was not worth releasing. No, none of it was worth releasing. I would say the other lesson that I have learned is this is almost like a bottomless pit. Everything there is a workaround, and you think that you got somebody nailed sometimes, and then you find out, well, this person had to do this because of this and this and this, uh, and it is really hard to ever know where that ends. You kind of go with where you are at the moment, but you almost always got to be knowing that as complicated as that is, uh, there may be more you get to way later. All of this is why... I'm excited that we're 27 days away from the start of another Atlanta Braves season. I'm into that. George, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Tell people where they can find your show. Chris, thank you. Um, I'm on, uh, first of all, I I am on Twitter, uh, shockingly. My Twitter handle is GeorgePlasterTN. I'm on WNSR, which is 560 on the AM dial and 95.9 on FM, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. And for those of you who may hear this really quick, um, you know, I affectionately call John Ingram the team owner, uh, and he certainly is when it comes to Vandy, but he's also the owner of the new MLS soccer franchise that opens Saturday night, and John will be on with me today by phone from 2.20 to 3 o'clock, and I hope people will tune in and listen. Thank you, George. I will give that a listen myself. Chris, thanks. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll come back your way with more episodes again very soon.